0: to episode 327 of The Virtual Couch and also at the same time, episode 37 of Waking Up to Narcissism. I'm doing something that I've never done before. I'm going to post this same episode and release it at the same time to both of my podcasts. Why? Well, that is because my guest today has three of the top 10 episodes in terms of overall downloads of the 326 Virtual Couch episodes that I have done over the past five years and I would love for my waking up the narcissism audience, which I, I have the numbers now showing that it is a different audience, which is uh, absolutely fascinating. And I would love for them to get to know the guest, uh, Dr. Jennifer Finless and Fife, today as well. And it's because Jennifer truly has a gift of explaining things and explaining the human condition in a way that I feel like most people can relate to. And in today's episode, we talk about so many things. We talk about love versus control we talk about whether or not we are honestly looking for intimacy in a relationship or what or whether we are seeking validation and how so often because of the way that we were raised or the modeling that we saw early in our lives we do we even know what healthy relationships look like and on that note how does one get on that path of knowing what you don't know because how do you know what you don't know kind of deep right But we also, we do, we touch on narcissism, we touch on emotional immaturity, we touch on what that looks like maturing out of a narcissistic view of the world and what that can take. So we just hit on so many different things. And one of my favorite things to do is getting Dr. Jennifer to laugh a couple of times as well, because she is, I feel like she is a very funny person, very real person, but man, she can just get in this zone where she just has so much knowledge. And this is maybe a little plug to go check out the YouTube video. And while you're there, of course, I would love for you to hit the subscribe button. But there are a couple of times where she's she's looking down. You can tell that she's kind of in the zone. And then I can't help myself. I love humor. And maybe something comes out and then she looks up and makes eye contact with the camera and laughs. It's one of my favorite things in the world. But for those of you who are not familiar with Dr. Jennifer finlayson Fife, this is from her website, um, which I will link to in the show notes, but she is a relationship and sexuality educator and coach, as well as a licensed clinical professional counselor in Illinois with a PhD in counseling psychology from Boston College. She wrote her dissertation on LDS women and sexuality, and she has taught college level courses on human sexuality. She currently teaches online courses and live workshops to individuals and couples seeking to develop their capacity for deeper emotional and sexual intimacy. And additionally, she offers limited private and group coaching services to individuals and couples. Who have benefited from her podcast and courses and are looking for more direct input on improving their lives and relationships. And while I have had her on before, as I mentioned, I've been especially impressed with her subscription-based podcast, Room for Two, where Dr. Jennifer coaches couples in real time. And as a full practicing, as a full-time practicing therapist who has now worked with well over a thousand couples myself. And I share this with Jennifer on the podcast, listening to her work with couples while listening to that real-time coaching has absolutely helped me in my couples work. So again, this interview is available on YouTube. You can just search for virtual couch there and I could go on, but I want to get to the interview. So quickly, let me run through a little bit of business. I have my own marriage workshop that is available at tonyoverbay.com slash workshop, and this is not my magnetic marriage course, but this is roughly a 90 minute, $19 workshop with a full money back guarantee where I simply lay out the basics on why we don't know what we don't know when we come into a relationship or into a marriage. And I give you some tools of how you can instantly improve your marriage. But I feel like it's really, really a good, as we call in the business, psychoeducational view on why we don't know what we don't know. And that is okay. And on that note, my associate Nate Christensen, who has been on both podcasts, Waking Up to Narcissism, where he talked about the neurology or neurobiology of narcissism, as well as several virtual couch episodes, he he and his wife have an amazing podcast that they recently launched called Working Change, which is part of my virtual couch podcast network. And I highly recommend you go listen to that, subscribe to it, where Sohina's wife, who is pursuing, she's pursuing her master's degree in counseling as well, and is on the road to becoming a licensed therapist, licensed counselor. They cover a lot of topics, including blended families, anxiety, depression, all things mental health, so much more. But Nate and I are in the final planning stages of filming an anxiety workshop, so if you want to know more about that, the easiest way is to go to TonyOverbay.com and simply sign up for the newsletter if you want to learn more, and I will let you know as soon as that is available. All right, so without any further ado, let me get to my interview with Dr. Jennifer Finless and Mm Vibe. Can I tell you a funny thing? I'm in an office where it's me and a bunch of divorce attorneys, and I feel like there's a joke there, a group on. And right out of my door, I've got an inner waiting room, and they bring the people there to sign papers. I think it's because the conference room is full. So I have a couple right out of my door right now that are they're getting divorce papers. Yeah, they're fighting.
1: They're they're fighting.
0: Yeah, so I was. There was a part of me that thought, okay, should we just open the door and let's give them you know, to the to, to, two amazing two therapists? Episodes, yeah, yeah. And I can say, all right, Jennifer, let's see what you got. This will be fun. But that's a good. That's a good uh, segue, though. I I really am enjoying your Room for Two podcast. What's that like for Great. you? Great,
1: I've liked it. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, it's been. Yeah, it's been fun to do actually. So it's interesting to hear how much people value it, or like how it gives them the chance to think about themselves without being in the actual discomfort of an office and in conflict. So it gives them just a a sideways look and then they can think about, Oh yeah, I do that. And it's easier somehow for our brain to process, you know, I'm actually preparing a lesson for Sunday on David and Bathsheba and how the prophet Nathan comes to David (laughs) And says, oh, there's this guy that did this terrible thing. And David's like, oh, yeah, lose, loser, get rid of <laughs> And of course, it's him. <laughs> okay. And that's so much who we are as humans. We have a hard time recognizing our own difficult behaviors. And this is just a way to help people see themselves through other people's stories. Hopefully, I love
0: it's it. I, cool. There, boy, there are so many things there that I think would be fun to talk about. One of those is I did an episode at one point on gossip, and I talked mm-hmm. about how I found some data that talked about how we communicate through gossip. Exactly what you're saying of, hey, what do you think about uh, that guy? And then if they say right. I, I know, right? Then I feel like, oh yeah, yeah, he's crazy. But if they said well, I feel like he he had every right to do that. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I mean, you know, right? I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so ju- judging of this, so we don't have to talk about the elephant in the room. Can I tell you a, yeah. a funny thing for me? So I, I like to talk often about the, the concept of psychological reactance, the instant negative reaction of being told what to do. And I had had mm. several of my clients suggest to me that I listened to room for two And so I found myself saying, I will not be listening to Room for Two. (laughs) And then I, and then I thought, why? Jennifer is my top three most downloaded episodes ever. And. I'm a therapist. It would be nice to hear. And then I realized that was my fear was, well, what if, what if I'm like a really crummy therapist, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and so I yeah, want you yeah. to know that I, you have helped me a ton as well. Oh, and good. yeah. And I've been able to do all kinds of self-confrontation, wow. but yeah. I'm curious. though: it, do you feel like there is a difference between therapy and coaching? I'm so curious about your opinion on this.
1: Well, the only thing that's really <sighs> different for me is I'm not treating... Well, two things. I'm not treating mental health issues. So I'm okay. not yeah. treating depression, anxiety, psychopathology. And if I work with somebody and that's emerging, then I'm saying, you know, go and find a counselor for this specific thing. So yeah. I, uh, so that's the difference. I'm making a mental health versus a developmental self-awareness distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also don't do long-term work with people. I do short-term consultation. So I'm often where people are often stuck is that they can't see what they can't see. They can't see their participation in their troubles. And I think one of my skills is being able to see better how this couple is interacting and reinforcing the worst in each other. Mm -hmm. And when we're just aware of what our partner does, which is what we're usually most acutely aware of, we become unable to get out of the pattern. And so I'm trying to offer that third view to help people's intelligence go up and allow them to engage differently. So I'm not doing kind of long-term handholding. I'm more trying mm. to wake people up to themselves. They may go get a counselor to do that longer term work, Yeah, especially if they're staying on the right muscle, right? That can mm. be very valuable. It's easy in therapy, though, especially in individual therapy, to pull for the therapist to buy into your self-deceived picture Absolutely. Yeah. and then just get reinforcement for that picture rather than staying on our liabilities or our limitations. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I like what
0: you're saying there, too. I find that when someone is not aware of what they are not aware, and then if yeah. I just have empathy and I just say, "Man, that sounds hard," I realize they walk out of the office and say, "Okay, he agrees. Right. And, I, and it's all oh, right not, it's not agreeing, but they're so used. To, I feel like the people telling them they're wrong, but then just saying, "Man, that sounds difficult. I guess that must feel like, oh, that, that felt validated. Yeah
1: they right. Yeah. The, right, exactly. And I think that you can validate the difficulty of a position exactly without making people think that it's the justified decision or a better way yeah. of saying it or that it's going to give them what they ultimately want i think a lot of times i'm trying to be christmas future for people and uh-huh. say yeah. if you keep yeah. doing this right as good as it may feel or as justified as it may feel you're going to have a son who doesn't trust you or take you seriously mm-hmm. or you're going to have a spouse who may manage you, but doesn't want to be close to you. So I'm trying to help people see in our self-deception, we can justify ourselves, but not recognize we're destroying our own happiness.
0: Yeah. Hey, do you prefer one versus the other of doing a little more of that long-term therapy versus the coaching and seeing Christmas future? I love that concept.
1: I mean, I probably like both actually on some level. There are some people in my practice that I have worked with longer term, especially if Mm -hmm. I think it's productive and they're really working through things, but Mm -hmm. I probably honestly prefer the shorter term work in part because people work harder. If they think that as long as they can afford it, they can just have me on tap in a sense. Yeah. It allows the delusion that people just need more information as opposed to going out and doing the hard work of changing behavior. So self Awareness is only valuable in as much as it helps us to act differently, but it's in acting differently that we change our lives. And so I never want to use the frame of coaching or therapy to interfere with people actually doing differently because Mm -hmm. it's a it's a tempting idea that someday I'll feel like doing this hard thing. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody who can be quite, quite mean to her husband and get him to do things that she wants. And, and she knows that what she's doing is wrong. She knows it's destructive, meaning she's becoming, she's seeing herself and seeing that she's repeating what one of her parents did, but to actually go and tell her husband, look, I use your desire to have me be happy with you to take advantage Mm -hmm. of you. That's very Mm -hmm. different. Like, it's one thing to talk to me about it, to go and actually expose it to him and say, I'm a jerk. And, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I'm not fair to you. Well, that takes a lot more courage. And yes. most of us would rather just sit and talk about our, how bad we are or how we could do better or, than actually going and doing better.
0: I agree and or the old well I will do it later I'll do it when yeah. I do it when I have more time I'll do it when the kids are out of school I'll do it when he's in a better mood or I don't want to confront exactly. him around his birthday or Arbor Day or whatever right, or right. Or whatever. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pulled that one. Um, yeah,
1: that
0: was uh, Arbor Day. <laughs> no, it's, it's a lot of people don't understand the fears people have around Arbor Day. Um, yes. you know, I do feel like that. What I like about listening to you, Coach, and I'm starting to use a lot of your vernacular. So I hope that mm. it, it isn't trademarked. Mm. I've been talking about a lot about the courage and caretaking. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And I also feel like I remember early in grad school, a professor saying that you're going to get to a point where you really do feel like you just want to say. Hey, here's what you need to do, but you know that that's probably not the most therapeutic thing, but Mm -hmm. do you feel like that's a place you're at now where I would love to help them skip steps if possible, even knowing that they still have to do the work?
1: Well, yes and no. Uh, On the one hand, I do think that a strength of what I do is I am helping people see things differently. So I am literally trying to help people actually see their problems from a different vantage point. Because I think it helps them to do something about it. A lot of times people are in a meaning frame that try as they might, they cannot solve it because the meaning frame keeps them trapped. Mm -hmm. So that is, I'm going to, you know, have my spouse make me feel good about myself, or I'm going to get, hang on a second. Um, Yeah. I'm going to get my partner to validate me and make me feel good about myself. Well, I think that's a meaning frame that's in many therapies that is never going to solve your problem because the locus of control is outside of you. Yeah. Oh yes. On the one hand, I am kind of saying to people, you have to wake up to what's actually true here. And I'm pretty Mm -hmm. direct and directive. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I think where I am maybe doing the opposite more is that, I sometimes would want to rush in and be like, well, answer like this. Let's do okay. a role play. Yes. This is how you should say it. You know, we're more like I'm just trying to download a kind of a way of doing it, thinking that this is just about modeling. Yeah. When in fact, I think I'm more effective the more I actually understand where someone is and realize that's outside of their capacity. They cannot do okay. that yet. And yeah. to talk to them as if they can is only going to make them feel bad. It's only going to make I, I, them feel ineffectual. So what's the right amount of pressure that they can actually do? And so I'm trying to be a little more in tune with who the person is right in front of me and what they're actually capable of internalizing and making sense of.
0: I love that. I love that. Cause I know that you talk a lot about external validation and I really, I so appreciate, I often say that if you're looking for external validation, I, there's a very low, low chance the person will say or do the right thing. And then you get mm. to say, they don't care about me and I'm a piece of garbage. Right. And then, but I like what you're saying. Cause I feel like at times I'm now more aware of that. The person in front of me, I think is trying to say the things to get me to react and let them and tell them, Hey, you're doing a great job. They want yeah. the external validation from me and
1: exactly. right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it's, that's hard.
1: Yeah. And so I think to be effective as a change agent or to help people get better, it's quite a tricky process because you have to know what better is, which is in and of itself challenging because it's yes. our, own dep- our own development's dependent upon that. Yeah. And then also knowing who the person is in front of you and actually seeing them as they are, not as how they are presenting themselves or as they yeah. want you to think they are. And then thinking about what is the right amount and the most effective way to pressure this person out of disequilibrium with themselves. Mm. And that's a real process, a real learning process of what's most effectual for people, especially if they're like busy telling you you're doing a great job, even if you're not, that that's also, yeah, <laughs> which can yeah. happen too.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm going to put a pin in something that you that I just thought of that I want your opinion on. And I don't know why mm-hmm. I just gave you that preamble when I'm not going to ask the question now, but <laughs> there's my train of thought. But I, the part that I think that you just brought up that I so appreciate is, man, we're going through our own things, even as therapists. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to give you so much credit for, and I'm guessing you, you do a lot of podcasts. The last time that we spoke, I thought I would figured... Mm-hmm everything out with this anxious and avoidant attachment, this dance of Mm. the anxious avoidant attachment. I don't know if you Mm. remember this at all. And I presented five minutes of just data to you that was like, I've got it figured out. And here's what the guys do. And I can speak to them, but can you address all womankind? And I feel like you said something (laughs) effective. You question the maturity of the relationship in general. And I want to be honest with you. I, I so admire you and I enjoy having you on. And I thought, oh, that wasn't the answer I wanted. It's funny because that caused me to take a look more at emotional maturity. And I think I've said it on a few of my podcasts and I realized it wasn't long before I said, Oh, she was right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you, you were right. And it's caused me to really look more at what that anxious attachment looks like. And, and from a caretaking standpoint and, yeah. but so I appreciate the, just, I try to be as authentic or vulnerable with my clients as well, because I think that emotional immaturity in a therapist is them pretending that they do know everything. Right. Um, I don't know if you've heard to that.
1: Um, yeah. Oh Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think most of us go into the profession because there's something in the idea that we have the answers and that we can help people. Maybe we came out of that in our own families. There's usually a reason why we're drawn to that particular role. And there's real goodness in it, right? There's often this desire to help humanity and to help the world be better, but there can also be a narcissism in it or a pretense yes. in it, like I've got it all worked out. I know how things, in fact, are. And when we like that view of ourselves too much, it interferes with our effectiveness, actually, and yeah. it interferes with our openness to where we are not right, you know, what we're yeah. not getting right. I have often thought maybe I'm doing a better job than I am if a client feels like they can't tell me like that was the stupidest thing you've ever said to me that was not helpful or whatever, you know, because we often want a view of ourselves that actually keeps us from seeing what's actually true about us.
0: Yeah, I so appreciate it. I remember one of the clients, I so I did my internship working for the church. And I remember I would run into people that would have experiences with other therapists and then it transferred because, and I remember this aha moment where one of the guys said, I asked the therapist about some concept about a marriage therapy principle. And I said, have you ever heard of this? Or can I give you this article? And she said, I'm the therapist. That isn't your role mm-hmm. to do that. And I remember mm-hmm. the, in the article that he ended up sharing, of course, then at that time, I probably just wanted his validation because I was a, mm-hmm. a brand new intern. But I read okay. it and it was amazing. And I just thought, boy, we do feel at times, or at least I don't like to think mm-hmm. I do, but how, how dare someone try to tell me? I'm the one that has the right. master's degree and says, so right. you have the PhD. People can't tell you anything, right, Jennifer? <laughs> I <wish>. I... <laughs>
1: Well, that's the thing. Is like the paradox. <laughs> well, so, and you mentioned, perhaps, it, oh, right? yeah. Well, I just think the paradox is: the more yeah. we acknowledge our own stupidity, the stronger and the better we. Yes. Are, right, and and that's not to say yes. that I'm always doing that. I resist it as much as anybody <laughs> else. I like to feel competent. I like to feel like I've got it all worked out. But the more we can actually be genuinely humble, it's a true mm. measure of our capacity. And I don't mean eating dirt. Humiliated, kind of <laughs> humble. I mean, we stay open to what we're getting wrong. Yes, we, we're open to what we don't yet understand. That's a real that our ego is not as important as wisdom. That how yeah. we see ourselves isn't as important as doing things that are actually helpful or right. And that's that's a real measure of moral courage. But really, counter to human inclination, because we like to see ourselves the way we like to see ourselves.
0: Absolutely. And it's funny, and I feel like I'm giving you credit for my entire practice at this point, but in that same episode, uh, we talked about somebody that was a fan of both you and I, and they had talked about fitting some version of me talking about narcissism and you talking about um, differentiation, right? And then Mm -hmm. you had just made a comment where you said, well, we all have a little, I think... Right? Yes, you know, so yeah. like you said, we all have some uh, narcissistic traits. We're all a little traits,
1: narcissistic, or, or something. Yeah, like. and I and I
0: remember thinking, I remember thinking, oh, how dare you! I mean, I mean not me. I mean, although, <laughs> although although I was right, although I was, I would always think that I was being clever by talking about my narcissistic traits or tendencies. And then I start up this yeah. separate podcast, waking up the narcissism, because I just felt like there was such a demand. And I work with a heavy population of people that are in yeah. these uh, relationships with emotionally immature people. I used to say yeah. people yeah. with heavy narcissistic traits or tendencies. And and you were in my head there too. And about nine episodes in, I did a episode saying, "Am I the narcissist?" And I mm, talked about excellent. look, and I talked about looking at it from an emotional immature lens, and that true narcissistic personality disorder is such a small percentage of the population. That's right. But we talk about it so often, and that I have to tell you, Jennifer, that was a game changer because it gave mm. uh, it gave language for both sides of the street to be able to say, "Okay, here's how I show up a little more emotionally immature," and it was just yes. It was so nice. Right? I mean, doesn't yes. mean that it's solved everything, but I think it's been able to provide a framework for better well, the, communication. That's
1: that's great, and I think the more we wake up to ourselves genuinely mm. and deal with ourselves, the more capable of intimacy we are. The yes, the better it is to be with us. Like if your partner is deluded about who they are, yeah. they're not safe to be with. If you're deluded about your own narcissism or whatever, you interfere. With people wanting to be close to you because it's costly to be. So, mm-hmm. this self awareness is a big deal. And, you know, narcissism can hide in the form of, you know, the abject, demanding, I know yeah. everything, but it also can hide in the kind of martyr, yes. overt superiority, nobody's giving me what I'm owed because I'm over here sacrificing and nobody gets it. I mean, that's a kind of narcissism yeah. too that you know, we all start out narcissistic. Babies are highly narcissistic. The question is, do we grow out of our narcissism? That's really what it is. And some people it's so entrenched. It's a narcissistic personality disorder, but really the challenge is our egos. And do we dare to see ourselves enough to grow beyond
0: them? I love that. And okay, now I feel like I'm about to ask for your validation. And then I want to get into the topic. I know I sent you or I emailed you about. I love that you said that because I now have this big soapbox where I like to say, yeah, if we start from the womb, every little kid, yeah, the baby, all their desires are so I must emote to get my needs met. And then, mm-hmm. and since they're cute and they smell nice and things, mm-hmm. then people meet all of their needs. And then, yes. right. And then we move into childhood. And I, I like to say, welcome to the world of abandonment. Now, if you know, I'm yeah. going to be the, the pony for my birthday, or I don't get to eat licorice yeah. for dinner, then how dare they? I'm asking for these right. things. So right now I have to show up and figure out a way to get my needs met and then bring that stuff into adolescence. and now I've got that dance of uh, yes. my attachment to how do I show up to get my needs met and my abandonment. Yes. Uh, I'm a little narcissist, so if they don't meet my needs, they must hate me. And yeah. uh, right and it's so crazy then to think uh, man when I feel like when you lay it out that way, and then yeah. of course we need external validation because we have no sense of self, but now we're supposed to step into a relationship and now we can work on this together. And, mm-hmm. and become become emotionally mature. Because I love where you talk about differentiation and your side mm-hmm. of the street and not needing external mm-hmm. validation. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you see that role of how to communicate? Do you feel like communicating one's needs, communicating one's wants? How do you address that?
1: Um, the way I think about it is that communicating who we are okay. and not our needs. Our needs is this kind of idea that I have needs and you partner have to fulfill those Meet needs. Them. Yeah. And that just means that this isn't about love. This is about obligation. Okay. Now, that's different than saying we're automatons and we have no impact on each other because of course yeah. we do. Um, but intimacy is not a use model. It's a knowing mm-hmm. and being known model, which I think is a a higher it's developmentally further along. Yeah. So when we're younger in our development, we think of a future partner as fulfilling our needs, making us feel loved, making us feel worthy, validating our sexuality, right? Our desirability. Mm-hmm. That's how most of us get married is in that frame of yeah. dependency because we haven't matured into someone who can accept ourselves really yet. Yeah. But when I talk to couples about intimacy or communication, I'm talking to them about showing who they are. And using communication to get clearer about who they are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not about trying to get something from the other person. Yeah. So the intimacy is unilateral in that you're showing who you are. So just in the conversation I was having, I do group coaching sometimes, and somebody was asking about the question of how, what does it even mean to be intimate? Okay. And she's somebody who wants high levels of control. So I was saying, well, it's showing your spouse who you actually are. Mm. Here's what would be an intimate statement. I'm a user. I take advantage of you. Mm. I use your discomfort with my anger to get things from you. Highly intimate conversation.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Right. But it sounds like the, to someone that is used to codependency and enmeshment, is that to sound like, well, wait, I'm hanging myself out the or They're going to, they're going to use that against me or
1: yeah. Right. Well, that's kind of what her fear was. Well, I yeah. will lose my control over him if yeah. I reveal my trade secrets. Yeah. <laughs> now now he's, she's not married to an abusive guy. He's not going to use it to yeah. basically exploit her. Yes. She's afraid she'll lose control over him and she depends on him to manage her reality. Mm. So she doesn't want to reveal herself. So I would say she doesn't want intimacy. She wants control.
0: Control. Yeah.
1: So a lot of us use the framing of intimate communication to keep control of our partner much more than we're using it to reveal who we really are, because who we really are is often not that great. I am not speaking against human beings, I'm talking about our own inclinations to do ego reinforcing things that aren't particularly loving right? We're very good at doing that as human beings. Even needing to be needed is a ego reinforcing behavior that isn't necessarily about loving other people.
0: It's about demanding love in a sense.
1: Well, it's about needing to be validated by them being dependent on you in some way. Sometimes we're over functioning for the sake of our kids. And, you know, I have a child with Autism, and this was when he was starting his freshman year in high school, and my husband and I were kind of concerned because he was going to catch a bus and like just worried was he he did, was coming out of a school, especially for kids on the spectrum, into a mm. normal uh, like school for neurotypical kids, and so we were worried, and we would sort of overfunction, walk him to the mm. bus stop, and do all these things. Well, one morning, my husband and I both slept in. And we woke up to, well, he had left a phone recording on an answer machine, what we had back then, <laughs> saying something like, you know, oh, so we woke up in a panic. He'd gotten himself out the door, caught the bus, realized that the dog was outside in the yard and wanted to make sure that we were aware of it, so called to tell us to let him in. I mean, this was like way more mature than we were expecting. And it was yeah. just this moment of awareness that we were so busy being needed that we were actually Mm. interfering with his autonomy.
0: Yes. And so sometimes
1: when we want to see ourselves as the epicenter of our children's lives or want to see ourselves as necessary to our spouse, we operate in ways that are actually interfere because we want to like therapists will do this to keep somebody in a relationship with them because you want to feel so important yeah. When in fact, what they actually need is more autonomy from you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, well, and I've read no more, Mr. Nice guy. And I feel like mm-hmm. that was a big one for me to recognize that when somebody feels like, no, I'm so nice that I, anyone would like exactly. me or I, right. And that's the exactly. part where, okay. that's very much yeah. yeah, it's
1: needing to be needed. That nice guy, I'm yeah. going to be the best man. And then you're going to always want to have sex with me because yeah. you're going to feel so lucky. And that's still about ego reinforcement. It doesn't yeah. look narcissistic because it's yeah. the nice guy, but it's deeply self-preoccupied. And so it doesn't feel desirable mm-hmm. or trustworthy because there's all these covert contracts connected to it.
0: Well, yeah, Can I ask you, and this was just one that I've been thinking about lately. So, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about. If I can have someone understand that that they don't need that external validation and they're okay, they they, as as they are. But then if they never grew up and had that secure attachment to a parent, so now I'm telling the client that no, you can now you find yourself and we identify their values. You know, I love Mm -hmm. uh, acceptance and commitment therapy, and then we'll some Mm -hmm. some value based actions and take action Mm and don't ruminate. But Mm -hmm. do you find ever? First of all, I'd love your thoughts on that Mm -hmm. concept of how one starts to find their self because I almost feel like I'm noticing. Okay. The person still even in doing a values exercise of almost still saying, is this the right value? What do you think? Do you think that this mm-hmm, is what I, mm-hmm. and so even in the path of trying to find oneself so they can internally validate mm-hmm. if they never had the model of a secure attachment, then I, I yeah. do wonder if sometimes that is asking this person to do this thing that they're saying, I, I think, am I doing this right? But then I shouldn't right. be asking you because.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, it is very, the most fortunate people of course came out of securely to use that language, securely yeah. attached family systems, and th- what I would say is differentiated family systems. Yes, yes. So a differentiated family is not. A lot of times, people think differentiation is autonomy and attachment mm. is attachment, but differentiation is actually the ability to balance our need for autonomy and our need for connection. Yeah. So yeah. differentiation includes attachment, but also our desire to belong to our autonomy, because mm. human beings want both things. Yeah, And it's our ability to balance that, be in connection without losing our independent psychological functioning that defines how differentiated we are. Mm. In a loving family, in a differentiated family, the parents can actually know the child because they can manage their sense of who they are and they don't need the child to reinforce them as important or as necessary. They're able to invest in what will facilitate that child Growing into their own strength, and they can facilitate what kinds of limits and privileges that child needs. So the child grows up, the lucky child grows up, knowing that I can both be in relationship and belong to myself, and I get to have both. And so it's much easier to go and replicate a relationship. You're not going to marry somebody that's more needy than you, you're going to marry somebody who's at a similar level of capacity in terms of that ability to balance those competing demands. Yeah. Those of us that grew up in a family that was more enmeshed or psychologically entangled are going to have more confusion. Well, I say mm. they inherit a way of being in relationship. They inherit how you how much self gets to be there and how much connection gets to be there. And so like to use the attachment framing, some people are overly autonomous, like avoidant, or they're overly uh, relational, which is enmeshed, or what's the word you use? Um, Anxious
0: attachment. Anxious Uh, attachment, exactly.
1: So the point is, is that in my work, what I do is I'm showing people that they are replicating a pattern Mm -hmm. that's keeping them from freedom from that pattern. I like that. So even if they're going to a therapist and they're telling them how to talk to each other, they're still replicating an anxious attachment, in my opinion.
0: Yes, I can see that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. it's
1: not helping them learn how to stabilize their own functioning. Mm. Now, ideally, you got that already. Okay. So I'm to go through the first phase of life without meeting the primary needs of that first phase, it's very challenging. And, but our fantasy is that you're going to get it from a therapist or get it from a partner. And a therapist should facilitate the process the person needs to go through. But in my experience, the way that people most find their strength is by confronting their participation in a fantasy. Like that my spouse is going to make me feel good, but I keep doing things in order to get that, that make me feel bad. Yeah. And so, for example, if they can wake up to that pattern and see how it works against them and their spouse, then they have the chance. Then what happens is they're cleaning up their internal reference. Okay. And they are more able to organize their minds at a more autonomous level. Now, by autonomous, I don't mean avoidant. Right. I mean, they're more able to stabilize their sense of who they are. So, for example, if I have confronted in my own life, like, okay, I keep pressuring my child for a picture of myself as a parent that I want, yes. but it's actually burdening him and is interfering with both knowing him, being a good parent to him, but also giving him pressure to manage myself. Okay. I see where I learned it. I know my parent did some of that. I'm doing it too. Well, that waking up and realizing this is affecting my child and saying, I'm not going to do it. I I have to manage my own fears. I have to manage my own expectations, my own anxieties that I'm not enough, anxieties that I inherited, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to make them my child's problem. They're my problem. Now, as unintuitive as that is, Right? You want to go make them your spouse's problem, your therapist's problem, somebody else's Absolutely. problem because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you want someone to solve it for you yeah. in the fantasy that there is a pseudo parent out there, Yeah, but there isn't when you're an adult. And so the way you do it is you say like, I have to offer better than what, because I don't, I don't respect what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't respect it when my parents did it. I don't respect it when I do it. So I have to do better. And handle myself and handle my fear and handle my disappointment. Now that sounds very lonely. It is, it is quite alone, but the more you can metabolize and handle yourself and function differently, the more you actually go and create. So for example, with my son during that time, I was doing things that made him want to get away from me. Right. Didn't want my influence, even though I was certain that he needed it. And, you know, he did need help, but because I couldn't see my participation in the problem, I was actually creating a child that wasn't being helped and was trying to avoid me. Mm -hmm. As I self-confronted more and started being more honest in those conversations and dealing with myself better, right? You know, what happened is he became much more trusting, much more open, much more dealing with his own challenge in a better way and liked being with us more. So you actually build that secure attachment by facing yourself.
0: And and that's where I feel like you you, Oh, it does. And and you've, uh, I've appreciated the way you've talked about on the room for two podcast. the, it's almost like you're, I feel like you're doing it right. If you are having to deal with some invalidation, because that means that, right. And I will tell you, I've had two things I think are really fascinating. One, one of my daughter's She's she had gotten herself in some really good shape. And she said, hey, uh, I realize now that we had she's and she was trying to frame it and uh, to not hurt my feelings. But Mm -hmm. but I said, hey, I'm curious, tell me more. But she said the relationship that we had with going out to eat when she was growing up was probably not Mm -hmm. healthy because Mm -hmm. uh, it was everything celebratory was done out to eat. And, uh, and I so appreciated her comment. And I realized that was one of those moments where I wanted to defend myself and say, Hey, I was raised right. like a feral, you know, a feral cat. I mean, going out to eat was, like, was <laughs> right. amazing. Be exactly. Right. Yeah. But then I realized, yeah. but that was my, my experience. And then exactly. absolutely her experience was hers. And she's probably yep. right you know? Yes. And, uh, yeah. And so yeah. I am so grateful for that, but i it almost broke my heart the way she tried to present it to me. Cause it was from this, mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if this is going to go well. And that's where I want yeah. to say, am oh, I
1: going to hurt my dad's feet? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Which
0: and then I have to tell you another one that this is just, I think is fascinating. I feel like my goal, I had three girls and my son is my youngest. He's 18 and he just graduated high school. And he came up to me uh, not long ago and said, he said, Oh dad, I almost forgot to tell you. I left the Burner of the oven on for hours the other day. And I have to tell you, it was so funny because I, I felt like there's my job is done, you know, well done, secure attachment. Yeah. There is zero chance I would have told my parents that. And even yeah. when he told me that, I wanted to say all the things. So you could have, don't you know, or burn that? But I thought this is amazing that this guy yeah. could come to me and say, Look yeah, what I did. That honest, It yeah, was wild. Because exactly. I felt like, okay, he knows that he doesn't, he can come to me and there is that. Well, he can be intimate of, to use that. Yes, language, Right. Yeah. And he
1: can show himself and say, look, Oh, by the way, I made this mistake. And that he trusts you can handle it. It was crazy. It was, it was a movie that yeah, I okay. saw as a kid around that like, a little boy who burnt. It was Avalon. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Avalon yeah. It was yeah, like, yeah. and this little boy b- burned down the store, his dad's mm-hmm. store and like devastates the family. And he went and mm. told his dad, dad, I'm the one who did it. And, you know, and it's, and what the dad does is say, no, you weren't the one. It was because of an electrical thing and it wasn't you. And I think the dad actually did it to protect the son from his own self-recrimination. But yeah, i at the okay. time thinking that's his parent. That's a true parent, right? That, that, it really that is. the parent handles the anxiety for the benefit of the child, but the child knows that the dad can handle who he is. And we'll show who he it. is, flaws and all, and not break the parent. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I love it. I do. Are you familiar with Ross Rosenberg? He, he wrote the book, Human Magnet no. Syndrome. I don't know if you're familiar. No. So I'm releasing an interview with him on the Narcissism Podcast in a couple of days. But he mm-hmm. has this concept where he's trying to redefine codependency. But he calls it self-love deficit disorder. And, oh, and he mm-hmm. just talks about this core shame comes from this place of fundamentally bad or I'm only as good as what I do for others which then leads to this feelings of loneliness, which then leads to this almost like the withdrawal and then turning to what he calls drug of choice, which is a a narcissistic or emotionally immature lover. Mm. And then then becomes this selfless compulsive caretaker who then tries to control others into loving him. And then then the opposite or the treatment he calls this self-love abundance. But it was something we were saying there about even with your son or what we're talking about with this, where... I, and I pulled this up. He's got this self-love abundance pyramid where he says, "I am lovable because I am. I don't have to work at being loved." Which leads up to this existential peace or a freedom to live as an imperfect but worthy and lovable person. But yes. this next part is the thing I feel like y- you share so well. But he says, "So self-love, self-respect, and self-care that engenders the same from others." And and yes, I feel like does. the part, right. And I feel like that part where when people they don't know what they don't know. If they didn't see it modeled, they're enmeshed right. and codependent because they we are. And then, and then that differentiation and interdependence, and we're two autonomous people. I feel like I can preach that all day, but I feel like I can almost watch the eyes glaze over where the, where it's the, but then we're not, but where's the part where we're, we're dependent upon each other as if that's the the goal, right? And it's like, so I don't think people People even know what that
1: looks like. Yeah. Yeah. People are afraid if we don't need each other, why would we be together? Yeah. It's very hard for people to understand. That's actually when you really, Choose somebody. Yes. When you actually value someone because they matter to you and you care for them and they're an important person in your life, not because Mm. you need them. That's the birthplace of love, actually. That you're not using them anymore. And so that's really where true friendship lies is you know this person. I mean, we all want to be chosen, right? A lot of us will take being needed as the kind of security blanket. for the fear that we wouldn't be chosen, that we wouldn't be deemed worthy enough of being chosen. But the greatest gift is to be chosen by a partner, to know that they value you, that they want to be with you, not because they need you, but because they are grateful for you. They value who you are. They value the friendship. And you know that you have a true friend, not one you have to earn.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I love that because I will say often when people can find this nirvana, that relationships mm. aren't as difficult as one might think that they would be. Not that they are yeah, that's without, they without right? Yeah. Yes. Not they're without problems, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah, you can show up as calm, confident energy and differentiated and interdependent and curious and tell me more and know that that person's yeah. view is not an attack. I love that. You know, yeah. funny. I, I feel like I've kept you here for so long. Do you have a little more time? Sure. Okay. So the, cause I realized the thing that I actually emailed you about and that you sent me on a journey without knowing as well is I, mm. I would love your, is there a simple way to explain the Jungian shadow self? Because I feel like mm. the, the getting to self-confrontation and I feel like I, I understand the concept, but I feel like I don't really mm. know how to speak to it or apply it. Is that a part of your?
1: Yeah, world? I mean, I haven't actually studied. Well, maybe I did way back. Okay, in the day, but but I can talk about my understanding of what the shadow self is or what it is because okay. I think it's very connected to differentiation. It's very connected yes. to becoming strong. And there's a lot of Christian concepts, in my opinion, that really support it. So do you mind if I go a little religious for a moment? Is oh, okay?
0: we'll go full religious. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll even I'll say amen at the end, even. Let's, let's do this. Okay, good. Okay. Okay. Do hosanna.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I think that a really core part of the Christian message is this idea that the true birth of goodness is when we stop needing to see ourselves as good. Okay. Right. That yeah. it's the refusal to acknowledge our own capacity for evil that makes yeah. us evil, right? That makes us dangerous. And so where Christ was most critical is people that would use religion to inflate a picture that they are above and better than other people, yeah. right? That to play yeah. out a persona of superiority rather than we are all sinners Meaning mean, mm. we are all deeply imperfect. And the paradox is the more that we can actually accept that, the freer yes. we are. And I don't mean by accepting it, meaning we indulge it and say, well, exactly. I'm a sinner. So like, whatever, I'm just going to live <laughs> it up now. Uh, I don't mean that we are irresponsible, but that we stop trying to manage our egos and how we're seen and live truthfully, mm. live in line with what is in fact true about ourselves and others. And the thing is, you know, again, I've been asked to teach this lesson on David and Bathsheba, and I think the angle that I want to go on this lesson on Sunday is around this idea that even David, right, is capable of deep sin, right? So even—and aren't we all sort of David, chosen and loved by God, but all capable— of self-deception, ego aggrandizement, telling ourselves that we're above other people's, mm-hmm. you know that, that we don't have to live by the same rules and therefore able to delude ourselves into abjectly harmful things. And so our freedom is in paradoxically stay, being aware of our capacity to mm-hmm. do that. That's what allows us to integrate who we are A house divided is always fragile. And when we refuse to see our darker selves, we are always house divided. If we refuse to know our darker selves, that doesn't mean you're indulging your darker selves, but you are aware of your capacity that if you refuse to know it, you're not going to want intimacy because your partner will know it and they'll try to talk to you about it.
0: Jennifer, I don't mean to cut you off on this, yeah. but can I just yeah. share something that but in, sure. don't lose a thought, but it's interesting. I've got, and I almost was going to send you this in an email mm-hmm. and Preston Pugmire and I, you know, we have this marriage course and we've integrated this just recently. Of mm-hmm. It's from a book that has strengths, weaknesses. So the strengths, it says light, the weaknesses, it says shadow. So one of them example is that the strength or the light is energetic and then the weakness or the shadow is exhausting. And I feel like if I look mm-hmm. at myself, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you can tell, I, I feel very energetic, but what is my, the mm-hmm. shadow of that or what is what I know people are aware of? I can be pretty exhausting. So is that that yeah, concept yeah. where I have to be able to, okay, I can bring that to light. It doesn't mean that I to look at it like, well, I'm exhausting. Right. What am I going to do? Okay.
1: Right. Okay. Right. Like exactly. So that's true. Like a lot of our strengths have a liability built right into them. Okay. Right. Okay. And not the, the like thing that. that we are good at is also often got a dark side connected to it. And mm-hmm. the more aware we are of that, again, it's not for the point of berating ourselves and saying we're worthless or anything like that. But yeah, yeah. I have to keep track of my shadow self so that I am channeling my choices into what is in fact good. Okay. And the more that we can actually accept and know our shadow self, the more trustworthy we are. Yeah. Because it's not running around controlling us and we refuse to see it.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. There's another one on the list for uh, confidence that the shadow side of confidence is arrogance. And so sometimes I feel like when people right. feel overly confident about their views on everything. If I go back into this emotional yes. maturity or the narcissist, or that field I work with, it, it is fascinating where they're confident that they know more than the therapist. They're confident they know more yeah. than the doctor there. And that yeah. does that. They, they are living with, that, I think, that shadow self of arrogance and not willing to confront. Yeah,
1: exactly. Okay. And therefore it interferes. You know, I had a very narcissistic guy show up who is a doctor and he's trying to tell me how to do the work. Right. And
0: uh, I so I was that. saying
1: to him, it's like me showing up and telling you how to do surgery on my leg. Right. And I I said, I feel sorry for you genuinely because you are interfering with the help you need. You're desperate to be loved. You're desperate to have people to want to be close to you. And yet you are too afraid to let go of what of the picture that you know everything and that you're in control of everything. Mm -hmm. And you're never going to get what you want. Now, I mean, I remember this narcissistic, demanding guy, like his ears, his ears, eyes filled up with tears. (laughs) I don't know what his ears filled up with, but his eyes filled up with tears. And he is sort of this moment of being known. I think I said it better than that, than I just said it, but you know, it was like this moment of being recognized and known and that he really was, his shadow was running everything
0: into the ground. Yes.
1: Yes. And until he was willing to face that and see that he wants to control everything including his wife that was about to leave him. Yes. He was not going to get anything that he really cared about. Yeah. And so a good therapist or coach or friend or church leader is going to help you see your shadow self not to make you feel terrible, mm-hmm. but to help you go and sin no more, to get stronger. Yeah. So it's when we face our demons that we are able to integrate and choose in a more solid way. And I think that's what spiritual development always requires. Okay. The fantasy that we're all well-intentioned and good, just making missteps in communication and so on, is just fantasy land. Mm. I mean, you don't get Nazi Germany out of well-intentioned people. Yeah. You think about how quickly Putin has been able to mobilize people into evil. Evil leaders exploit our tendency to self-delude and exploit our desire to be connected to a group to vilify and do harm. We're very, very vulnerable to it as human beings. In the U.S. today, we have groups of people who hate the other group and feel justified because they've been deluded, exploited by media, by leaders Mm. into the idea that the other half is different than you. Yeah. Rather than we're all capable of evil. We're all capable of self-deception. Instead of the question of what does the other group understand that I don't yet understand? What does my spouse understand about me that I don't yet understand? If we'd settle down and open up, that's a person that wants intimacy and is willing to deal with who they actually are rather than asking everybody else to deal with who they are.
0: I, love, I, so. I like that because that, that makes sense of putting that shadow version or that shadow self in from society. I mean, that because yes. I, I, I boy did you this could be a whole other topic for another day even but I don't know what that was like for you the last couple of years, but I've never seen more polarity come Mm -hmm. into my office even and then right Mm -hmm. and then and just
1: and in marriages yes yeah
0: it was so wild mm -hmm. and then i felt like it was that okay somebody starts with some sort of cognitive bias then they jump into confirmation bias then they jump into some echo chamber and all they're going to hear is the things that they feel like they have to hear yes Some for some reason that something is wrong with them and i felt like our our curiosity just went out the window for a while
1: yes And, and so much fear which yeah. would make it hard to settle down and understand because you're yeah. terrified. If you understand the other side, you'll give them power and you'll be dead, you know? And so, it's yeah. this, and so, so many limbic people, myself included on some level, mm. honest, yeah. you know, of yeah. like, you know, what's happening in the larger conversation that we can't understand each other anymore. Yeah. So, so yeah,
0: um, I think mm-hmm. I can give you an amen. That was, well, yeah, but, thank you. But, thank you. <laughs> But the shadow was so, I appreciate that was so well laid out. And I really am grateful for that. I, okay. Here was the thing I was going to say earlier. And then I can, I, now I need to let you go, but I I really appreciate your time and I could Mm, you forever. And you're my top three downloads and I'm guaranteeing this won't be, you will hit number four (laughs) and like 400 podcasts now. I mean, that you're a big deal and I appreciate that you come on. Thank you. So when earlier, what the thing I was thinking about was I interviewed this forensic psychologist once, and then it was funny because that was one where I feel like, okay, maybe he was a little bit emotionally mature, AKA narcissistic because Mm. he thought, he thought I just want to talk to him. I thought we were interviewing for a podcast. We were done. And then he said, Oh, you can't use that. So that was kind of fascinating. But the details that were amazing was he talked about how after interviewing, I don't know if it was hundreds or a thousand or more people for the insanity defense, where he talked about knowing when somebody comes in and they drool and they jump up on the chair and they bark and stuff that he's like, that guy's not insane. You know, he's playing the role of insane he's just
1: playing. Insane. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But
0: then, the, but then right. the guy that comes in and he's got the dead stare and he gives some version mm. of the crime he committed that this mm. person has been doing his job for so long that he knows. And I'm so fascinated by, yes. and I feel like in almost everyone's profession, I had a daughter work at Starbucks for a while and She knows, she knows a good whatever, the, you know, right. She knows how how you do it. And and I don't. And so I feel like the part that I love about this work and the part I hear coming through in the room for two, and I can only imagine it's in your office is. That's the part I feel like that we know. I I know emotional maturity. I know narcissistic behaviors Mm -hmm. or, you know, Mm -hmm. or, you know, this differentiation and coaching. And so that's where I feel like it is. It it just comes across so well. And so go back to that emotional maturity or narcissism or people that are saying, no, I know better. And just, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if you see where I'm going with that. But, I'm not uh, quite
1: following your question. To, to keep going though, because yeah, because sure it wasn't right there one. I
0: think I realized halfway through there. I was saying I just want to say that I see that you absolutely are so good and know what you do. I want you to validate oh. the fact that I do as well, and then I want to tell all the people that are trying to trying to you know that feel like no, I know better than them. That they all need to buzz off. I think that was the point. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, that's good. that's very intimate of you. <laughs>
0: No, now I realize, now I realize it wasn't even a question. It was back when we were talking about something, I realized that you had mentioned something. I just, I'm so fascinated by that concept of, and maybe that was my own emotional immaturity of, I used to try to do my bookkeeping. I used to try to do my website and I realized that I, then I I went to a QuickBooks conference once. I made it through about an hour, but I'd already had the room in San Francisco. So I told my wife Mm -hmm. to come on down and we just I realized I'm not going to ever know this stuff. So it's really understanding that there are things that we know things we're good at. And if we don't know them, we're not good at them. Then I guess the maturation process is, is uh, taking ownership of that. Maybe that's where I'm going with that.
1: Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And (laughs) yeah, like part of being wise is knowing what you don't know. I remember sitting for the licensing exam and most of it was about knowing what you don't know. (laughs) I mean, like don't (laughs) do harm. Right. And that was kind of, I remember thinking, this is so much less about what you do know and being clear about what you don't know. So you're not trying to solve problems without competency to solve those problems. And (laughs) you know, the, at least you know, harm kind of idea. And uh, I think that, yeah, it's kind of amazing in life. Like it's really true. The more, you know, the more you realize you don't know. I've sometimes had the feeling when I'm learning to do good work of uh, both that I'm getting better at it, but how mm. far I am still from yeah. like, what I mean is it becomes more evident. Like the finish line is like, doesn't even exist anymore where I used to think it did. Yeah. Meaning how one can actually grow within oneself, the ability to be effective in helping other people change is its own thing. It's one thing to see things but yeah. to know what actually inspires people the right amount. I mean, like there—it's just infinite numbers of ways that, that I could get better. Um, yeah. I do think it's valuable to actually do the podcast because then I'm forced to listen to my own meetings and then I'll be like, Oh my gosh, how did I miss that? <laughs> like, yeah. Right. But that's good. That is good yeah. because you can at least step back and see where you're getting manipulated by the client or you're in your own diluted idea about something and missing cues or whatever. So Yeah, I love it. I love that. And I
0: love that vulnerability. um, Because I find I just had a session last week where we've been working under a certain premise with the client and in a couple situation. And now the more that we're working through things, I feel like it's that movie, The Sixth Sense, where we just found out that Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. Now we're going back and working through the sessions. And it's like, oh, okay.
1: Yeah. I yeah. This of, is information. I mean, yeah. That I was missing the whole time. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And then I feel yeah, like it, it, humbling. it, it is humble. And I love that it's humbling. And I feel like the client is both equally appreciative of my honesty and vulnerability, but I feel like there's yes. also a little bit of a, shouldn't you've caught this? Like, aren't you the guy yeah, that yeah. does the <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah. So well, I'm I, sure that's right. Yeah, but yeah. I also do think that I think if you're really genuinely doing your best, as limited as that, as that may be, this yeah. is I think true with kids also, and your spouse, is that if you are sincerely self-correcting and you really are trying to do right, um, there's a lot of forgiveness for that because even with our kids, even if mm. you're getting it wrong, but they know you have their interests in your heart. Yes, they can track that, and. Human beings, we just keep on being human. I don't know that we have much way around that, but it, but, our desire, <laughs> but our desire to do right by one another is a big deal and certainly not something to be taken for granted.
0: No. Okay. Let me give you one more mm-hmm. uh, bit of praise because this was one that I think I was able to, I worked into my own relationship, but I feel like you've talked about working from a place of trust. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's a different thing of the client say, what am I just supposed to trust them? And I say, well, no, how could you, mm-hmm. these things have gone on. But I feel like the example that I, yeah. that I had in my relationship and I've, I was able to use your operate from a place of trust. And I felt like it made so much sense was my wife and I having a conversation where she had felt like I was maybe doing a little bit of the gaslighty stuff that I talk about on podcasts. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt like, oh, tell me more. And then she had explained the situation in a way that I showed up. And then I know that that is a way in the past that I did show up more emotionally immature. Mm -hmm. And I would have, because I felt my fragile ego was being attacked, that I was trying to defend that fragile ego. And, and I, man, I was so grateful for that, her saying that, because now I said, oh, now it's needing to operate from this place of trust that I'm aware of that previously exhibited emotional immaturity. So now, yes. you know, in the past, if I was disagreeing with her, it, it, it was, it yeah, yeah, and it, it was right. because I, I, because how dare you? I'm, I'm everything. Right. And now if I say, exactly. oh, I don't think that's the case. It still sounds as if I'm the, you know, right. but, right. it off. yeah, but now yeah. I'm saying, oh, I, now I'm aware of what I, how I'm showing up and now I can confidently from a healthy ego say that yeah. I'm, I'm confident that this is a, a, that was a view of what mm-hmm. was going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, right. No, it's true. It's really good to be open to what our spouse sees, even yeah. though every cell of my body wants to believe they're wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I will humor you and listen to yours, you, and then you're like, crap.
0: Oh, I love Thanks. that where, yeah, I love when it, when it is like, a, okay, no, that is actually a very good point. Okay. I, you, I, I you know, And I have to not do the, I'll give you that one, but
1: we'll see how it goes next, uh, uh. one time you
0: got it right. Um, okay. Um, yeah, hey, all right. So well, where yeah. people, people obviously go find you a room for two podcasts, everybody sure. in the world. needs. Yeah. To so find everything- you can find everything.
1: Yeah, everything on my website, which is my last name, finlayson-fife.com. And you can find the Room for Two podcast, um, which again is all the couples coaching sessions. You get to listen so in here, hear yourself through these meetings and see what you can do to make things better. And then I have online courses um, on self and sexual development and relationship development. They're all there. And then just um, conversations like this in my conversations with Dr. Jennifer podcast.
0: So, okay, I love it. Yeah, I do. Thanks so much for coming yeah. on, Jennifer. I enjoy this so yeah. much, and uh, and um, I don't know. I just I really appreciate you taking the time, and um, I think it's a guaranteed uh, going to be top four. So. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay.
1: Let's hope or my ego will be.
0: That's right. I, I will tell you it is regardless. I will inflate the numbers from yes, you, exactly. both you and I. Okay. <laughs> okay. Great to see you. All right. Take okay, care, Jennifer. You. All right. Thank you. you. Okay. You too. Bye-bye.
1: Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the
0: other end. The pressures of the daily grind. It's wonderful. Elastic waste and rubber Floating past the midnight hour, they push aside the things
1: that matter most.